I'm not being critical, but uh, I'm. It's these kind of services where God searches our souls. The Holy Ghost shines a light on us, and if we're obedient, that's what kind of that's what'll bring that, that sort of thing back. Amen. I want it. I want it to just blow out again, preacher. I, I mean, Sunday night it got good, but I remember one night me and preacher. I think somebody was down here directing traffic because we was crossing each other here in the middle aisle, and uh, I want to see it like that again. Y'all with me? Amen. Stand for the reading and reverence of God's word, Luke chapter number one. It's what God put on my heart last night when preacher asked us to come down here and pray about tonight. Uh, God put this message on my heart in the altar right over there. We'll begin reading in verse 5. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abi, and his wife was of, was, uh, of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And uh, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless, and they had no, child, no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. Can I say this physically and spiritually? Just because bad things are happening in your life doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. Amen. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said, said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people marveled, or, or the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I come before you as humbly as I know how. 
Lord, I pray that you forgive me of where I failed you since we last spoke. Lord, I pray that you wash me and cleanse me. Lord, I pray that you fill me with the Holy Ghost of God tonight. I thank you for the, the, the setting in this service tonight, the atmosphere. I thank you for the soberness here. I thank you for that good song that Sister Emily sang. Lord, I pray, dear God, that's my heart's prayer. I want it to always be my heart's prayer. And I pray, dear God, that you'd search our hearts tonight, dear God. Show us, show us if there be any wicked way in us tonight, dear God. Let us not be hearers of the word, but let us be doers also, dear God. I pray that tonight, that you would give everyone in this place an ear to hear, and let them hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I need you tonight, Lord. I love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Might be seated tonight. Uh, I, I started looking at these verses a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I, I, I come to this text, and this is the beginning of the New Testament. And we know that there had been a 400 silent years between God and man. To our knowledge, God had not openly revealed himself or spoke to anyone in about 400 years. The last uh, words that the Jewish people had received from God were at the end of the book of Malachi that there would be one that would come in the spirit of Elijah and he would make the ways of the Lord straight. And you know the scriptures. So it's been 400 years and I don't know God's plan. You don't know God's plan. And we, we could try to speculate and all these things, but God, he, in due season, amen, in such a time as this right here, God decided to step out and take over and start talking to his people once again. It's amazing to me uh, the, that David never seen a Roman crucifix. David never heard of anybody getting nailed to the cross. But 2,000 or 1,000 years before Christ, uh, in Psalms 22, David, through the eyes of the Holy Ghost, said, they pierced me, amen. Amen. They pierced me. The, the prophet Zacharias, all those people, they talked about the piercing. They had never seen a Roman cross. But in due season, the Lord brought forth His Son. And this was the exact plan of God. Can I remind you that Calvary was not plan B, but that Calvary neighbor was plan A. Amen. And God didn't scratch His head when Adam messed up in the garden and said, oops, what are we going to do? No, friend, God knew exactly what was going to happen. And this was the exact time but is God uh, he's staring he's been silent towards his people for 400 years can you imagine that the people that had the oracles of God by the door the people that had seen God uh, physically do all these miraculous works over and over again now they sit here silent and they've not heard from God in a long time and all of a sudden God decides to break his silence hey brother Lamar all of a sudden God looks over the banisters of heaven he sends Gabriel his angel with a message and he sends him down to a family he sends him down to a man hey there's a family down there in Judea a man named Zacharias and a woman named Elizabeth and God looks down and he finds a family that he can use he finds a family that he can run his, his his man through. Amen. He finds a family that God could put his hands on once again. He finds a family that God could speak through again. I don't know about you tonight. Hey, but I'm, I, I'm burdened that there's not many Samuels anymore. There's, amen. 
I believe with all my heart, and you have to understand, know the Bible, understand what I'm talking about, but I believe with all my heart the reason we don't see many Samuels anymore is because there's not many Hannahs anymore. Amen. Hey, you got to have a Hannah at home before you'll have a Samuel down at the house of God. Amen. And I'm telling you tonight, hey, God looked down and he saw a husband, he saw a wife, though they had no children. Hey, God knew he could trust them with nothing, so he could trust them with everything. Amen. And sometimes God's proven us when we feel like we've got nothing and there's nothing times in our life. Hey, all God's doing, hey, he can't trust us with everything if he can't even trust us with nothing. And these people, though they had nothing, though they didn't have the desires of their heart yet, hey, they didn't wait on God to give them everything. They stepped out by faith and said, we're going to serve God. We're going to do right. No matter if God gives us the desires of our heart or not, we're just going to step out by faith. It may be lonely. Hey, it may be coarse. It may be tough. Hey, but friend of mine, they just stepped out with nothing and said, we're going to serve God anyhow. Amen. Preacher, you care if I take this coat off tonight? Is that all right? And I'll tell you tonight, he looked down and he saw a family he could use. Now, I don't know about y'all tonight, but I want to be a daddy that God can use. I want to be a preacher that God can use. Brother Paul, you know, I want to be a man of God that God can use. I want my wife to be a lady that God can use. I want my children to be children that God can use. And listen, I'm not trying to put God in a box tonight when I, I'm about to give you my title. I'm not trying to put God in a box tonight. Hey, God can use whoever He wants to. Amen. Hey, you know, it'll do us all good that the only thing Jesus ever said He needed in the New Testament was a donkey. Amen. So He don't need us, neighbor. Somebody help me. Amen. Hey, but I want to tell you, he's seeking clean vessels. He's seeking holy vessels. He's seeking sanctified, set apart vessels. And friend of mine, I want to be a family that God can use. And tonight, that's exactly what I want to preach on, the family that God uses. You might say, well, I'm in a split home, or my husband, or my wife. Hey, friend, you just start being the part of the family that God uses. Amen. So I want to be, I don't know about you tonight, I'm preaching for me tonight and telling you what I, I want tonight. I want to be a family that God uses. So I want to look at this family that God uses tonight. Look in verse number 6, if you will, with me. The Bible says, and they were both righteous before God. This is simple preaching tonight, but the family that God uses will be a saved family. Now, you got to understand, though we are in the New Testament text, Brother Daniel, we are not in the New Testament economy yet. The, the, the death of the testator has not taken place yet. Jesus has not died on the cross and risen again. So we are still in this verses. We are in between dispensations. We are coming to the, the close of the Old Testament, coming to the beginning of the New Testament. This economy, the, the sacrifices and all that, Brother Daniel, were still in place. So we are in a, a pivotal point here in history. But uh, nonetheless, the Bible says... They were both righteous before God. Now let me help you tonight. Uh, the people got saved in the Old Testament the same way they get saved today. And that's by grace through faith. Amen. Abraham believed God and he counted it unto him as righteousness. Amen. Rahab heard the marvelous works that God had worked against the Egyptians. The gospel had already been preached to her before them spies ever got there. And neighbor, when they got there, she said, I'll just believe God. Amen. Hey, Ruth believed God. She said, I'd rather 
rather go and die in Israel and believe your God and to go and live it up hey, in Moab. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, it's always been by grace through faith. And you know what this lets me know? And Zacharias and Elizabeth, though their, their life was tough, though they had some trials, though they didn't get everything they want, hey, they believed God. And apparently God, he, he accounted it unto them as righteousness. Hey, you know what I want to tell I want to say this now. It's simple. Hey, but God will never use you. God will never use your life. God will never use your marriage. Hey, like he could. God will never use your family like he would until you get saved. Amen. Amen. I'm convinced the reason we got so many problems in the churches, and I'm not trying to make anybody doubt that's not my job, that's not my desire, but I believe we got a lot of people that won't do right for the simple fact that they've never been born again by the good grace of God. Hey, I'm going to tell you what will change a church. I'm going to tell you what will change a family. I'm going to tell you what will change a marriage. It's when people start getting saved. Amen. God will use your family if you'll get saved. Young people, hey, don't make your parents have to drag you along and try to get you to do spiritual things. Why don't you just get saved? Why don't you just get saved and go all in with God and quit making your mom and daddy drag you around? Hey, why don't you get saved and get a good spirit about you and serve God with your family? Amen. I'll never forget growing up, and I'll, I'd say it if she was here. She's proud of her testimony now. But Brother Jason, I remember growing up, my mama, my daddy had seen my kid take a step forward for God, and my mama had pull him two steps back. My way, when my mama got saved, it didn't surprise us near a bit. Hey, but Brother Blake, I remember over and over again, every time my mama would do things behind his back, and, and she'd pull. It's like I had the world pulling at me on my mama's side, and I had, my, I had the God pulling at me on my daddy's son. Hey, but I'll never forget in October 2006 I got a phone call on the way back down to Abac to Tifton, Georgia and Brother Lamar, it was my mama on the phone and she was a sobbing and sucking wind and she said son, I just wanted to call you and let you know and I just got saved and my daddy and mama ain't perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Hey, but I'm telling you tonight it's like aliens have abducted my mama. Amen. She's not the same person she used to be. And God's touching my daddy's ministry like he never has before. Hey, I believe it goes back to my mama getting saved. Amen. Every Hewitt man for generation and generation and generation died a drunkard. My dad, my granddaddy's daddy, he came back from World War II and drank himself to death, a Purple Heart recipient. Hey, and Brother Lamar, I'll never forget uh, my granddaddy telling me the stories about his brother. He died a drunkard. I'm talking about they tried to dry him out and he'd drink anything he could get his hands on. It finally killed him. And my granddaddy, by his own testimony, was going down that same path. Fourth, fifth generation drunkard, a Hewitt. He was a drunkard. It was a Anonymous thing. If you was a Hewitt, you were a drunkard. Oh, but Brother Thomas Clarity in 1964, my granddaddy went to a, a Star Bethlehem Baptist Church and, and over in Hiram, Georgia, an all millennial Baptist church. He went over there and they running revival, had a tongue flapping Methodist preacher preaching. Go figure, amen. Hey, and I'm telling you, my that old man of God, he got up and played his harmonica that night and preached the gospel. And guess what? My granddaddy chunked dead religion. 
He chunked the drinking. He chunked the bala. And my granddaddy, who was a fifth generation, headed to be a fifth generation drunkard. He got an altar that night and got saved. And I stand before you tonight, a third generation preacher. Hey, I don't know about it. Hey, I didn't grow up with beer in the refrigerator. I didn't grow up when my daddy beat my mama. Hey, but I'll tell you tonight what changed the course of my family. It's when my old granddaddy got born again. It changed everything. Woo! November of two or September of two thousand and four. Hey, this so this little brown headed pretty girl got this this curly headed young lady got invited to eat to Calvary Baptist Church in Eaton in Georgia, and all she'd ever known, my wife had ever known. Hey, her parents got divorced before they were one. Hey, so all she'd ever known was drinking and doping all around her, being left alone and nothing to eat and all those things. Hey, stuff I've never known about. Oh, but in November of two thousand four. The Holy Ghost finally cornered her up in her bedroom. And Brother Laddie, my little wife, I didn't know she was going to be my wife, but my little wife, hey, she got down in her bedroom floor and got birthed into the family of God. And tonight, my little kids, they don't know nothing about a cussing mama. They don't know nothing. All they know is a shouting mama and a worshiping mama and a praying mama. Hey, I'm telling you tonight, if you want God to use your family, if you want God to use your marriage, you just ought to get saved. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, I was wanting a deeper message than that. Well, I ain't got it tonight. Amen. If you want God to use you, if you want God to use your family, first thing you need to do is get saved. I'm convinced there's lost people here tonight. God burdened my heart about it today. You need to quit playing the game. I know this is the home folks tonight, but you need to quit playing the games. And you need to quit you need to chunk religion and you need to chunk your pride and you need to chunk all that other and you need to get born again tonight. Amen. Next thing I see, would you look at the scripture with me in verse fifteen? If you're gonna be a family that God uses, you'll have to be a saved family. But nextly in verse fifteen the Bible says, <clears throat> For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Now I could preach right there, but that ain't where I'm heading right now. Amen. And he, talking about John, shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't ask me to explain that. Different dispensation, different time, and God can do whatever he wants to. Verse 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you look with me in verse 67? And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost. I want you to look back up here at me. Not only if, if you're going to be a family that God uses, you're going to have to be a saved family. But number two, you're going to have to be a spirit-filled family. And if you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, that means you can't be filled with anything else. Amen. You can't be full of yourself 
And we can't be full of pride and we can't be full of carnality and we can't be full of selfishness and we can't be full of bitterness. You go to, you go to Ephesians 4, the first thing on the list, hey, when it deals with grieving the Holy Ghost of God is bitterness, amen? That's you drinking poison and hoping somebody else dies, amen? Hey, bitterness is killing our people. Hey, I'm telling you, I go up and down the road, I go up and down the road and preach preacher will agree with me and these other men, Brother Ben, other men that preach out and they'll agree with me. The churches are ate up with carnality and apathy and I believe there probably ain't many, uh, uh, many if all, at all, uh, spirit-filled believers in the church anymore. But I'll tell you what, sadder than not having spirit-filled believers in the church is not having spirit-filled mamas and daddies in the home. Hey, I've heard it said my whole life, so goes the church, or goes the home, goes the church, and so goes the church, goes the nation. And I'll tell you why our nation's in a mess. It's because our church is in a mess. And because the churches are in a mess, it's because our homes are in a mess. And I'm telling you, we think that it's just for preachers and, and, and singers to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We think a Holy Ghost feeling just getting goosebumps on the back of our neck. Hey, neighbor, that's charismatic. Hey, man, I'm telling you right now, hey, we need uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost. And preachers done said it tonight. I told Brother Laddie, I thought he was going to preach my message. Hey, it is the will of God for every believer, every man, every woman, every child to be filled with the Holy Ghost of God. Brother Stenant Ballou says it like this, being filled with the Holy Ghost isn't you getting more God, it's God getting more of you. Amen. Hey, I had to sign the dotted line, Brother Tom. I, there was a day in my life, me and Brother Grant Hardeman, we ran from God and then God corralled us up with the King James Bible and he started dealing with our hearts. And I'll never forget getting to that altar with Brother Grant on March 22nd, 2008 and God changing our whole lives. Hey, I'm telling you, I had to sign the dotted line over to God. It's the best, other than getting saved, it was the best day of my whole entire life and I hadn't always been filled preacher. Hey, I have to go back and put the page out in front of God over and over again and say, God, I messed up. It's a, you got to take it. Hey, but I don't, he's not asking for perfection. He's asking for a direction tonight. And I'll tell you what our churches need, what our nation needs, what our homes need is for mama and daddy and little boy and little girl to get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's what we're lacking. We've got to write songs. We've got to write Bible. We've got to write standards. We've got to write convictions. But what we're lacking in this day is people that are truly filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I was sitting at a table at a meeting a couple of weeks ago. <coughs> Several preachers. You know some of them. I said their names. Brother Sammy was sitting there. Brother Allen. But Laddie, one of the men sitting at the table said, Brother Allen, why don't we see the power of God in our churches like we used to? Why don't, why don't we see saints filled with the Spirit and, and people under conviction like we used to? Brother Sammy didn't even quit chewing his food. He looked up and he said, seeing and hearing. He didn't even have to think about it, preacher. He said, seeing and hearing. And that preacher said, excuse me, preacher, what? what? He said, Righteous, just like vexes righteous soul day by day, seeing and hearing. Can I be honest with y'all? 
not against you having a phone and I'm not against you having social media. I'm not against you having a television or all that. That's between you and God. But I am against it having me and I'm against it having you. And Brother Laddie, we cannot be filled with the Holy Ghost when we got that eye gate and that ear gate open to everything in the world. I ain't even talking about wicked music or nothing. That's, that's elementary. Amen. But Daniel, I'm not talking about rap music, country music, and contemporary music. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about letting the ideas and the humanism and the worry and the fear and the politics and all of that in us all the time, all the time, all the time. And we expect to come to church and have peace and expect to come to church and have joy. We expect to be able to live our daily lives full of the Holy Ghost, but we can't as long as we're filled with everything else. Being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking yourself psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Hey, the first attribute of being filled with the Holy Ghost in Ephesians 5 is the kind of music you'll listen to and sing. And you can't be, I can tell if you're filled with the Holy Ghost tonight or not, what, what you're listening to on your iPod and your iPad and what you got the presets on your radio, amen? And I like preaching against country music because most people have it on the radio and when the kids get in the car, they know the preachers done preach that it's wicked and mom and daddy get embarrassed because they can't turn that down quick enough. Amen. Amen. You can't listen to that mess and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I didn't say you can't be saved. You can be a carnal saved person and listen to country music. But you can't be a, you can't be a spirit-filled Christian and listen to country music. It said submitting yourselves one to another as unto the Lord. That's the second attribute in Ephesians 5. Y'all with me tonight? I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about mamas and daddies and young people filled with the Holy Ghost. Change our church, change this country, change our county for the glory of God. And the second attribute in Ephesians 5 for being filled with the Holy Ghost is submitting yourselves one to another. And if you can't... I'm not talking about getting ran over and I'm not talking about getting beat down and used and abused. But if I can't submit myself to my pastor, I'm not filled with the Holy Ghost. And I won't be filled with the Holy Ghost until I can submit myself to my pastor and until I can submit myself to one of these boys if I can't if I if as a believer they are my these are not kids this is my brethren in Christ if they're saved and if I can't submit myself to one of them I can't be filled with the Holy Ghost and if I can't submit myself to this man right here I cannot be filled with the Holy Ghost I know a bunch of rogue evangelists that don't want to have anybody over them and it's their ministry and nothing. But I'm going to tell you what my family needs. My family needs the Bible Baptist Church and my family needs, hey, Pastor Ricky Gravely. Hey, I wanted to find a place that knew God. I would, When I came in here all those years ago, I wanted to find a place that knew God. I wanted a preacher that prayed more than I did. I want a preacher to preach better than I did. I want a preacher to walk with God more than I did. And I wanted to find that man of God and put myself underneath his authority hey, and the problem we got today is nobody wants to put themselves under the submission of anyone else we got a bunch of rebels the man of God will tell you to do something in your life not lord over you but show you in the word of God what you need to do and you buck him and rise up against him hey and let me say this hey all of us young preachers I'm a young preacher you're a young preacher don't you dare hey when you're when you're well, you treat him like you want some young preacher to treat you one day hey you be the preacher boy to him that you want preacher boys to be to you one day cause it all comes around amen 
Hey, I'm telling you tonight, we need to learn submission. Hey, I'm not, I know this ain't popular, but I have to submit myself to my wife sometimes, amen. I'm not talking about her running the house. I'm just talking about, hey, if I'm too big for criticism, if I'm too big for accountability, I can't be filled with the Holy Ghost. Next, the next attribute, Ephesians 5, says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, ladies, if you'll help me here, I'm going to get the men a lot worse. Ma'am, can I help you in the home? The husband's the head of the home. Matthew Henry said that God took the, the, the rib out of Adam, didn't take it out of his feet so he, the woman could be trampled on, didn't take it out of the bone out of his head so the man could be ruled over, didn't take it out of his back so she'd be left behind, took it out of his side so she could be beside him and under his arm. When it, the Bible says that the woman is, the, is as a weaker vessel, that is, that's not sexist, that's not demeaning. That's an honor. That's an honor. And ma'am, if you'll let your husband, he might just lead. Amen. I don't know if we're having problems with this around here, but this is what God told me to preach tonight. Ma'am, there's, there's an umbrella. There's the man, the big umbrella. There's the woman, smaller umbrella. And then there's the children in the home. There's a trinity in the home. The Father is the type of God the Father. He, he carries out the discipline. He, he is the judgment in the home. He is the leader in the home. The, the mother is a type of Christ in the home. She is the heart in the home, the compassion in the home. She is the mediator in the home. She is the one that keeps the father from killing the kids. Somebody help me. <clears throat> and the children are a type of the Holy Ghost in the home. Their sole purpose until they're outside of that home is to carry out the wishes of the mother and the father and to bring peace and joy and contentment to that home. You got the big umbrella and it gets smaller. And ma'am, if you won't nag your husband, listen, I, listen me and my wife, I, my wife's, I, I'm saying this publicly, it's going online, my wife's smarter than me. I know that surprises y'all. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I, I, I don't just go make road decisions, preacher with our finances and with things that we're doing. And she doesn't try to boss me around, preacher. But everything I make a decision on just about in the home, I talk with her first. Amen. It's a union. We are one flesh. But you know who's going to have to answer for the Hewitt family at judgment seat? And if she, I'm going to make dumb uh Decisions. I'm going to make mistakes, and, but if she'll keep her mouth shut about those and not nag and rise up against her husband, she won't have to answer for a bit of it. That's right. Think about that, ladies. If you'll just keep your mouth shut, not rise up. I'm not being ugly. You say you hate women. No, I love women. I love. I married a woman. I have a daughter. I love my grandmother. I love my mama. I love my sister. Somebody help me. Amen. I'm not demeaning you. I'm telling you there's a precious place in the home for a spirit-filled mama. You know what Leonard Ravenhill said? He said, my daddy was a hellfire and brimstone preacher. But it wasn't my daddy's preaching that brought me under conviction. It was my mama's living that brought me under conviction. 
Then he goes on to say, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Sir, Christ loves the church whether they're up or whether we're down. Christ loves the church whether we're in or whether we're out. Christ loves the church whether we're fervent or lukewarm or cold. Christ loves the church whether we're faithful or whether we're unfaithful. And let me help you tonight. Sir, if you'll love your wife like Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, whether she's up, lover, whether she's down, whether she's in, whether she's out, whether she's fervent, whether she's cool, hey, whether she, what she's doing right or whether she's not, whether she burdens the bacon or whether she does it, amen. If you'll just love your wife, it may be that she's waiting on you to love her. It's a balance. Love her right like Christ loved the church. She'll submit to you, hey, as unto the Lord, and you will have heaven in your home. But it takes a desire and spirit-filled believers. You know why most people most people get a divorce? Because they want to. It's too hard to work it out. The key to this life is the spirit-filled life. And let, I ain't gonna leave the kids out. Y'all don't worry. Children, obey your parents. That's an attribute. I believe it's a continual attribute of being filled with the Holy Ghost right down into chapter 6 of Ephesians. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. I don't care if you're the next Billy Sunday. If you're not obeying your parents, you're you're not filled with the Holy Ghost and you can't be right with God. He grew up in a home where he had to probably do some things that he didn't like doing because of the, the, the situation he grew up in. But he obeyed your parents, didn't you, preach? I mean, you have to obey your parents. Amen. Amen. And then it goes on to say, Honor thy father and thy mother in the Lord for this right. Children, obey your parents is for when you're in the home. Honor thy father and thy mother is for when you get out of that home. And by the way you live, honoring your parents with your life. Amen. Please, young people, listen to me. You can't be rebellious against the church and rebellious against your parents and be all right with God. Amen. You cannot. If you've got pride and bitterness against the preacher, pride and bitterness against your parents, pride and bitterness against authority in your life, you cannot be right with God. And you know what we need? Let me, let, let me just tell you, there's, a, there's kids that's grown up in our church in the, on the same pews, in the same atmosphere if y'all, y'all have. And, 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 and you know what? There's a lot of them that's not in anymore. Is that right for me to say that? I remember at Jubilee, preacher got Miss Esther and Miss Noel and Miss Celeste up. Y'all remember that? And said about all, what, 22 people in that youth group and how a lot, they're the only ones left. Y'all remember that? You know what's going to be the difference? If not, if you decide 10 years from now to be filled with the Holy Ghost, if you decide tonight to put it all on the altar and make a decision tonight that you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and that's what's going to make the difference in this youth group, that's what's going to make the difference in this church, and it may be the people sitting on these few rows right here that takes this church to the next plateau and takes, amen, it might be these people right here that I'm looking at. If you'll get filled with the Holy Ghost, and whether mom and daddy want to go all the way, whether your friends want to go all the way, it's cool right now. you got peers 
things around you that's wanting to do right. But what if all of them go? You're going to have to keep serving God. You're going to have to stay, keep living the Spirit-filled life. And you ought to get on this altar tonight and not and say, I'm not letting go until you bless me and get filled with the Holy Ghost tonight and do something different. Break the norm. Break the change. Hey, in 20 years from now, if God hadn't sent you out somewhere, be sitting on these pews shouting the preacher on and saying, yeah, hey, we finished right. Spirit-filled family. They're saved family. They're a scriptural family. Verse 5, Zacharias of the course. He was a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abi, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. Look at the latter part of verse 6. Walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless. They were a saved family. A family that God uses as a spirit-filled family, but it's a scriptural family. Brother Lad, these people were both of the tribe of Levi. That meant their marriage was right. That meant their courtship was right. Because they were marrying the right kind of people. Y'all look up here at me. Young people... Do not settle for some... Girls, don't settle for some long-haired boy that, that goes to some Methodist church or some contemporary church or some liberal Baptist church in town where everybody, you know, everybody can do whatever they... Don't settle for that mess. <clears throat> don't settle for that mess. Boys, don't settle for some floozy, amen. Don't settle for some preacher killer, boys. Don't settle for some pretty little girl that, that catches your eye. You wait for the will of God. You wait for somebody that has the same the values and the same beliefs as you do because newsflash, they're going to be raising their, your kids with you, amen. You don't want to have to drag them to church and eventually they'll drag you down, amen. Hey, I'm telling you, they, hey, court, don't touch before you... Hey, somebody help me tonight, amen. Hey, young people, don't... Don't go off and get in the car by yourself. Have a chaperone. Hey, don't go off with the opposite sex. Hey, don't just have your chaperone. Don't be holding hands. Don't be kissing. And if this is making you nervous, I'm happy about it. Amen. And you need to be made nervous. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, don't hey, don't kiss them till you get married. Hey, that don't mean when you get engaged, get on Facebook and lay all over each other for engagement pictures. That's not what I'm saying. When you get in this altar and say, I do, then you can kiss them, amen. Can a man take fire in his bosom and not be burned? The answer is no. Amen. That's exactly right. Woo! And mom and daddy, shame on you if you let them be alone together. Shame on you. Shame on you being all, letting them be off in a car. Well, I trust them. I don't trust my flesh. I don't trust your flesh. And I certainly don't trust a teenager's flesh. We have preachers make fun of us, preacher. Miss Chloe and I were courting. We, Brother Tom, there's times we couldn't find a chaperone to go with us. And, and I'm, we're nothing. The reason we did this is because we're flesh, because we are nothing. That's right. Brother Tom, we made the decision. We, there'd be times we'd drive two hours in separate cars to go to meeting together because we couldn't find a chaperone and have preachers make fun yeah, of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You remember that? I, I was tore up about it. I came to you and I said, these preachers are making fun of me. Brother Brian, it's worth every, every bit of it. When, when we rode off, to, and I, had not, hey, I, hadn't been, I, hadn't, I didn't raised up around this kind of preaching. 
But Bo Lamar, when me and Miss Chloe kissed at that altar down there in Dallas, Georgia, that was the first time we'd ever kissed each other. When we held hands there that day, that was the first time. When we rode off in the car together that night, that was the first time we'd ever rode off. Hey, I'm telling you, it's precious. It's worth the wait. Hey, to have that purity of mind, have that purity of body. Hey, you can't ever get back to purity of mind. Hey, you can't ever get back that purity of body. Hey, the replay, replay. Hey, but you just stay pure. You stay walking with God and be scriptural in your court and be scriptural in your marriage. We need this. And if you'll get on Facebook and post pictures of you and your boyfriend and you and your girlfriend kissing or laying all over each other, you're a rebel. Amen. You're a rebel. You don't need to go to prom. I, preacher, you probably won't ever have me back again. I'm just nailing everything while I'm here. I'm talking about scriptural, amen. I know he preaches all this. I'm not meaning it like that. But it's still good for a man not to touch a woman. Amen. Amen. And young people, you are putting... When we, mama's, let me preach to mom and daddy. When we let them go off to prom with some long-haired boy or some girl that ain't got enough clothes on to make a pup tent for a nap, somebody help me, Amen. When we let them go off like that, we are putting them in adult situations without adult brains. Amen! One night on prom night can mess your life up, cause you consequences, cost you things the rest of your life. I ain't mad tonight. Hey, they were scriptural in their living. We ought to be scriptural in our dress. Amen. Amen. Hey, nakedness is from the knee to the neck. If I'm showing anything, sir, if you're wearing it scripturally, I'm not going to preach against shorts, but here's what I am going to preach against. Sir, if you're wearing shorts long enough to cover your thigh when you sit down, you're wearing capris, and that's effeminate. (laughs) Amen. I ain't never seen a man wear a pair of shorts long enough to cover up his thighs when he sits down. All these borderline... Modest skirts. Yeah. I, I mean, they'll come down to the altar, Miss Sheila, and they'll pull like this, and they'll be. There ain't but so much material. Uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, it ain't gonna just grow. I know God parted the Red Sea, but my goodness, don't pull on that. Amen. <laughs> they making stuff cheap today. Amen. Somebody help me. Amen. This when you sit down and it's borderline modest. When you stand up, it's not gonna be modest when you sit down. That's hey, amen. amen. Hey, I, nobody wants to preach like this no more. That's, that's hey, but I'm telling, I'm glad we go to a church where it is preached on. But I want to come in and back up what the preachers are preaching. Hey, and if you wouldn't wear it at church, you don't have any business wearing it out there. This isn't the temple of God. We're the temple of God. And if you wouldn't wear it, you wouldn't say it. You wouldn't watch it. You wouldn't smoke it. You wouldn't drink it. You wouldn't listen to it right here on Sunday morning. You ain't got no business doing it out there. Amen. Say amen right there. These yoga pants and tights everybody's wearing. I don't care if you do have them on under the skirt. If the skirt goes to your mid-thigh, you are immodest. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's called slips. I'm not being vulgar. I'm not trying to be vulgar. 
But hey, it's modesty. Modesty is your attitude. It's your spirit. It's your actions. Men, we are to be modest. Ladies, you are to be modest. I'm not trying to make you mad or upset tonight. Hey, but I'm telling you, we ought to be the same out there as we are in here. Amen. And I thank you for you ladies that do dress the right way. And I thank you for you men that do dress the right way. I thank you for you men that will enforce it in your home and live it at home and not back down to the fads. That's the, that's the thing right now is the fads. Hey, just loosen up. Just let it go. Hey, I'm telling you, I say we ought to tighten her up. I, I say we ought to not let it go. Amen. Hey, if it was wrong 50 years ago, it's still wrong today. They got mad at the old time preachers for preaching against britches, amen. But now we can't even figure out which bathroom to go into. You reckon that had a pro- that, that led to that, amen? Hey, Brother Blake, I'm telling you, if we can't even figure out what clothes to wear, eventually people ain't going to know what bathroom to go into. I'm not being mean or ugly tonight. But the genders are being blurred. My generation, the millennials, I mean, everybody's got these short haircuts. Everybody's dressing the same way. Hey, and it, what it's doing is the devil is trying to blend the genders. They don't even know which, which way to send the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts anymore. And we don't think it's a big deal. It is a big deal. I want to be scriptural. At Christmas last year, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm closing her down, preacher. I'm, I'm not trying to hold you all all night. This is stuff that's on my heart tonight. At Christmas this year, we faced some things, and I mentioned it back at Christmas. We got, got, people got mad at us for, for whooping Emmeline. We don't beat our children, brother lad. We don't, we don't even use our hands. I believe my hands are for loving. We use a rod. And I ain't talking about a big old stick. Somebody help me, amen. Don't everybody just breathe. Take your blood pressure. I don't want her running around here like a little hellion. If I can't control her, I'm not qualified to preach. And I, somebody got in my wife's face and kept saying, You need to pray about this. Screaming at her, you need to pray about this. I was so proud of my wife. She didn't holler back, but she just kept quoting Scripture on child raising out of Proverbs. They said, you don't have to take the Bible so literal, but oh, we do. If we want our children to turn out, we better be scriptural in the way we raise them. My goodness. Family that go... I, I, listen, I love you. Young people, I, I'd, rather, I may, I'd rather make everybody in the country mad and preach to you the truth. And for you to know the consequences of letting your guard down than to be liked by everybody and every one of y'all turn out for the world. You better mark her down, young people. You let that fire in your bosom. You will get burned. The saved, spirit-filled, scriptural. Verse number, verse number 13, it says, that Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayers heard. This was a supplicating family. Is a praying family. You ought to have a family altar every night. And young, young married couples that's, that don't have kids yet, don't wait till you have kids to establish a family altar. Just go ahead and get you a spot in your home. Get your Bible there. Turn everything off every night, every day. I'm talking about have you a family altar. And it'd be good for some daddies to stand up and get filled with the Holy Ghost and lead their family and family altar. And it would change our church. Turn everything off. 
and have family altar once again. Last thing I see, verse 42. Verse 42, it said, And she spake out with a loud voice. Verse 44, The babe leaped in her, it leapt in my womb from, for joy. Verse 58, They rejoiced with her. And verse 64, And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. And one of the first things you'll ever hear John the Baptist say is, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the whole world. You know what this family was? A family that God uses? This was a shouting and a worshiping family. I want to ask you, Daddy, when was the last time you really got out there? Some of you used to run them laps with us. Some of you used to be, have that zeal about you. Where's it at tonight? Mama, when was the last time your kids saw you get happy? I ain't talking about just raising your hand. I'm talking about when was the last time it got out on you? Y'all know what I'm talking about. When was the last time you got in the glory in private? And when was the last time you got in the glory in public? Amen. You know what's different about this church than other churches? We've got these, these hoary hairs in here. And I say that reverently. That's a biblical term. We've got these hoary hairs in here, these, these, these Philadelphians in here that's kept this thing going and it kept it shouting and kept it worship and this is, is kept it going. But you may, listen to me, young men. You've got to pick it up. Young ladies, you've got to pick it up. Amen. Mamas, you've got to pick it up. Daddies, you've got to pick it up. We've got we to gotta get to worshiping. He's worthy. You say, I don't feel like it. We don't have to feel like it. Just worship God. I want to say this tonight. We need families in Rossville, Georgia that's saved and filled with the Holy Ghost that'll say, I don't care what the world does. I don't care what, where the world goes. We're going to live it by the book. Some of you have let loosen up, loosen it up. It gets tougher. I understand. It's getting tougher and tougher to hold it tight. Don't loosen up in this last hour. Be scriptural. Have a prayer life. Have a family altar. Our little girl preacher... She's, she's never going to ever remember learning Psalms 103 and Psalms 34-3 because she's too, she won't have that remembrance of that being that young. But family altar's already put that in her, Brother Dave. Family altar. Hey, and learn how to shout together and worship. How about you tonight? Daddy, would you take Mama by the hand? Get in this altar. Get the kids in this altar tonight. And ask God to use your family. Clean your hearts out. Clean your homes out. Clean your heads out. Kids, get on this altar tonight and give it all to God tonight. Don't wait till you're in a bad situation. Don't wait until it's awkward. Don't wait until you're pressed. Grandma, Grandpa, decide tonight that you want to be a family that God uses. Just decide tonight. Tighten her up. Put the, put the brakes on let this world know that there's something different. Let this world know that you love God. Be salt. Be light. Let your kids know it's real. Let your kids know it's real. Let's all stand. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.
Miss Cape, I, I want my kids to see Holy Ghost filled believers at, at church. I really do. And I'm thankful they get to see it at this church. But I want the first interaction with a Holy Ghost believer that my children ever recognize and know. I want it to be at home. I want them, I, I want them to see the power of God in mine and my wife's life. Not that we're anything, but I want to be a family that God uses. I want my kids to see it at home. The joy of the Lord at home. Church, we got to have it. we got to have Him. There's the responsibility of man and the sovereignty of God. And we got to have it. Got to have it. I love you, church. Same way.